It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ every weekday morning from our studio on the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. Hi, I'm Leslie Ludy. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of Daily Thunder. Today I want to talk about rising above spiritual mediocrity. Spiritual mediocrity is so common among Christians today, and this is something that God has really put heavily as a burden on my heart, both in my own life and just looking at the the church, the church globally, of just what does it mean to maintain our spiritual passion at all times. I once heard a story about two young Christians who sold themselves into a lifetime of slavery in order to spread the gospel among a group of slaves who had been completely cut off from any Christian influence, which is just an amazing thought that anyone would do that for the sake of the gospel. But as the slave ship was pulling away from the dock and their friends and family, they were waving goodbye, crying, knowing that they would probably never see these two again, the young men called out these words, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. These young men had made a decision that cost them everything, but they knew that the lamb was worthy. Now, it's easy to admire a story like that, but inwardly we might be thinking, I can never do something that radical for Jesus. Often we struggle with things that are just a smaller commitment to Christ, like just the simple decision to follow him wholeheartedly in the midst of the half-hearted version of Christianity that we see all around us today. But the key truth is this. Oftentimes it seems that no sooner are our hearts stirred towards a deeper devotion to Jesus than we are hit with this avalanche of reasons why it's not a good idea to go that far in our commitment to him. I really believe that Satan loves to whisper excuses in our ear and making them, and he loves to make them sound very wise and reasonable. His goal is to see us stop short of everything that God has for us in the Christian life. The enemy loves to watch Christians pitch their tents on the outskirts of the promised land, but never actually enter it. So if you've been waffling between self-protection and radical surrender to Jesus Christ, then chances are you've probably been held back by one of the enemy's clever arguments as to why you should remain comfortably where you are rather than passionately going forward with Jesus. In the last episode, we talked about that rich young ruler who just couldn't give up everything to follow Jesus. But just like him, when we settle in the land of mediocrity, we're throwing away the opportunity of a lifetime, the privilege of becoming a devoted, passionate follower follower of the one true King, Jesus Christ. So in order to rise above spiritual mediocrity, we need to tackle some of the most popular excuses that hold us back from absolute devotion to Jesus Christ. And we have to replace the enemy's lies with God's truth. The first excuse that often comes our way sounds something like this. I would be giving up too much. If I went that far in my devotion to Jesus, it would cost me too much. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The opposite is actually also true. He is a fool who holds on to what can never last and chooses the temporal over the eternal. And that's the same trap that the rich young ruler fell fell into. And it's the same trap that so many of us get caught into today as well. The enemy and the culture that we live in want us to believe that the treasures of this world, wealth and comforts and popularity and achievements, that's where we're going to find true happiness. But there is a totally different kind of treasure that we're called to seek after. And this is treasure that is infinitely beyond the very best this world has to offer. 
is known as heavenly treasure. Any earthly treasures we may gain in this life will not last for eternity. And like Jim Elliott said, we're fools if we try to cling to that kind of quickly fading treasure instead of trading it for heavenly treasure that can never fade away. As Jesus said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And Psalm 49 paints a vivid picture of someone who spends his life chasing after the happiness that this world offers. It says, when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. Though while he lives, he blesses himself, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. A man who is in honor yet does not understand is like the beasts that perish. This warning isn't really just about the pursuit of money. When we lay up treasures on earth, it means we're seeking our happiness in things that are temporal, things that we can't take with us into eternity. Whether that's worldly accomplishments or popularity or personal dreams, none of those things hold a candle to the fulfillment that we can find in becoming a true follower of Jesus Christ, a follower who holds nothing back. So here's the key truth. When we believe the lie that we would be giving up too much in order to radically passionately follow Jesus, that's when we're choosing earthly treasure over heavenly treasure, just like the rich young ruler did. And while our earthly pursuits could bring us temporary emotional happiness, in the end we'll discover that we've chosen a pile of worthless pebbles over a truckload of priceless jewels. Jesus said very, very plainly, what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It all comes down to our value system. If Are we living for things that are temporal or things that are eternal? And it's really important to realize that Jesus never asked us to make sacrifices that he was not willing to make. When we really stop and ponder the enormity of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, it does make us step back and realize that he is worthy. The Bible says that he, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So if Jesus humbled himself that way, if he gave up everything for our sake, is he not worthy that we should do the same for him? Jim Elliott expressed it so well when he prayed this prayer. Father, let me lose my clutch on everything temporal, my life, my reputation, my possessions. Lord, let me lose the tension of the grasping hand. Open my hand to receive the nail of Calvary as Christ was open. He thought heaven, yea, equality with God, not a thing to be clutched at. So let me release my grasp. If you're tempted to believe that the cost of radically following Jesus is too great, take a moment to remember what he gave up for your sake. Because when we grasp the reality of Calvary, the idea that the cost of following him is too great will seem like the most foolish no notion in the universe. Another excuse that the enemy often throws our way is that radical, passionate devotion to Jesus is only for, quote, special Christians. There's this odd idea that has crept into modern Christianity over the past few decades, and it says that radically following Jesus and building our lives completely around him is only for a few unique Christians in every generation, those special people who are specifically called to become Christian heroes and do big things for God. 
But the rest of us sort of feel like we have a right to live in mediocrity, be a little more comfortable, just fit Jesus into our lives when it's convenient. Go to Bible studies, listen to Christian music, read Christian books, just to maybe make us feel more spiritual. We often feel justified in living a self-focused existence with a few Christian morals and bells and whistles woven into our daily activities. Because we think, you know, not everyone's called to be extreme in living out their Christian faith. There's nothing biblical about that idea. No matter what our specific gifts may be, our commitment to Jesus is always meant to be extreme. Because what Jesus did for us was extreme. He does not mince words about what it really means to follow him. He says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it those words are not just comfortable and easy they're extreme and radical he's saying give up everything deny yourself take up your cross lose your life for my sake if we truly take those words to heart we are not going to imagine for a moment that we can just put a christian label over our own mediocre lifestyle The key truth is this, becoming a Christian is meant to radically impact every area of our lives. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we are no longer our own. We have been bought with a price. We are now the bond servants of the Most High God. So why would we assume that we can follow Jesus and also live easy, comfortable, soft, selfish lives? Absolute givenness to Jesus Christ isn't just for special Christians, it's for every Christian. Now, does this mean that every Christian is meant to accomplish history-changing feats for God? Is it possible to be a devoted follower of Jesus and live a simple and ordinary life? Absolutely. It all boils down to the condition of our hearts. Not every servant of Christ is called to accomplish tasks that will directly shape the course of history in a dramatic or obvious way, but every servant of Christ is called to be fully about their father's business, wherever he has placed them. And this is how the kingdom of God is built through Christ followers who faithfully and completely serve him even behind the scenes, even in the seemingly small and unimpressive things. So whether we're called to serve one little child in Jesus' name or speak powerful truth before nations, our lives are to be hallmarked by unreserved service to the one who gave everything to save us. Jesus said, Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. On the flip side, when we become caught up in the pursuits and pleasures of this world, we fool ourselves into thinking we're devoted to Jesus, when in reality, we're more devoted to ourselves. In the end, though, it will be very clear which of us took our calling seriously and which of us did not. Jesus says, If that evil servant says in his heart, My master delays his coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and in an hour he is not aware and cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. By God's grace, let's remain alert, steadfast, faithful, and yes, extreme in our givenness to the things of God. Jesus said, blessed are those servants who the master, when he comes, will find watching. So remember, there are no special Christians, only faithful Christians. And it is my prayer that we would be counted among the faithful. Another excuse the enemy often throws our way is that radically passionately following Jesus Christ will cause tension in my relationships with friends and family. 
In a culture where social approval is king, choosing that path that may cause us to be misunderstood or even rejected by people in our life can feel very daunting. But misunderstanding and even rejection is par for the course if we want to truly be followers of Christ. 1 John 3.13 tells us, do not marvel, brethren, if the world hates you. And Jesus is very clear about the fact that true Christianity will often cause us to be reviled and rejected, sometimes even by our own families. He says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And he also said, do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Among the most important of our earthly treasures to lay down when we take up our cross to follow Jesus is approval from friends and family. In our comfortable Western culture, we are not trained to expect suffering, persecution, and rejection because of our faith. And as a result, we often want our Christianity to fit into a neat little box that allows us to to maintain our social good standing and doesn't interfere with our day-to-day relationships. But we need to remember that throughout Christian history and today in many countries around the world, it's understood that saying yes to Jesus often means saying no to peaceful family and social relationships. Recently, I read a true story about several young people in a Muslim country whose own relatives had them tortured and killed because of their conversion to Christianity. These young believers had known that that could be the outcome of their decision to follow Jesus, and they died triumphantly, but not without pain and heartache. Courageous Christians through the ages have faced similar scenarios, enduring misunderstanding, rejection, persecution, even death at the hands of their friends and family because they stood unashamedly with Jesus. And in light of those brave examples, it's sad to think how often we hesitate to boldly stand for our faith among our own friends and family when the stakes are usually much lower. It's true that tension in our daily relationships may be the result of our radical devotion to Jesus. But we can't ever forget that he gave up everything for us. Encountering a small measure of the rejection that he faced on our behalf is a small way that we can share in the fellowship of his sufferings. And he is worthy. So the key truth is this. No matter what discord or criticism or rejection may come our way because of our commitment to Jesus, let's declare along with the Apostle Paul, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear unto myself so that I may finish my race with joy. Another excuse we often hear is that radically passionately following Jesus will lead to legalism or burnout. A lot of modern Christians who are disturbed by the compromise that is so prevalent in the modern church have tried to solve the problem by relying on legalism and self-effort to keep them from the pitfalls of worldliness. And consequently, consequently, if today's churches aren't filled with carnal compromising believers, they're often filled with prideful, self-righteous, legalistic believers. 
Because we've often seen a lot of legalistic attempts to become separate from the world, some of us have a distorted view of what it means to be radically devoted to Jesus. We worry that it means we'll become a stiff, somber, holier-than-thou type of person who is far too concerned about following a set of rules to relax or enjoy life. But we need to understand that legalism and passionate devotion to Jesus are two very different things. Legalism oppresses, but true devotion liberates. Legalism chokes life, but true devotion gives life. Legalism is based on self-effort, but true devotion is based on the supernatural enabling grace of God. Legalism is based on rules, but devotion to Jesus is based upon a relationship with the King of all kings. Early in my Christian walk, I sometimes struggled with the lie that it was all up to me to keep my life on the straight and narrow path. And it was easy to fall into the trap of doing all the right things based on self-effort and willpower. And then I would lose my joy and wait, be weighed down by the idea of radically following Christ. But then I stumbled across a very profound verse in the book of Jude that helped really set things straight in this area. And it says, now to, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Those are really powerful words. And they helped remind me that Christ and Christ alone was the one who could keep me from stumbling. My job wasn't to make a list of spiritual rules to obey and put my trust in. My job was to abide in Jesus. And if I, if I were to abide in him, he would keep me from stumbling. If I abided in him, he would keep my passion for him alive and thriving. And that is a really exciting reality. Avoiding spiritual burnout is based upon that same principle. Romans 12, 11 tells us to never be lacking in zeal, but to keep our spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And to never be lacking in spiritual passion and zeal is truly impossible in our own, th in our own strength. Only God can equip us by his enabling grace to obey that incredible command. Elizabeth Elliot once said, God never issued instructions that he does not equip us to obey. So we are called to be radically, passionately devoted to Jesus Christ. And when we abide in him, we will have the grace, the strength to be radically devoted to him, not based on legalism, but based on a relationship with the King of all kings. It says in Psalm 84, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. I love that. And my prayer is that we would set our heart on pilgrimage, going deeper and deeper and deeper in our relationship with Christ, in our pursuit of him, and finding our strength in him alone. So even though we live in a world that is just steeped in mediocrity and other Christians may say that the path of true radical devotion to Jesus is extreme, will we dare to live for more? The key question is this. Jesus has called us by name. He has invited us to become his follower no matter the cost. And so it's time to make our choice. Will we go back to our comforts like that rich young ruler did? He just couldn't make the sacrifice. Or will we run to Jesus with that heart of absolute surrender? Will we stand among those who have chosen to follow the footsteps in the footsteps of the Lamb no matter the cost? Letting these words hallmark our life. I have decided to follow Jesus and there is no turning back. And those are powerful words. If we say yes to that call, we will never regret our decision. As the writer John Buchan once wrote, you have chosen the roughest road, but it leads straight to the hilltops. So however difficult the road may be, 
There can be no greater joy than standing before our King one, and one day and hearing him say the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. As we close, I wanted to leave you with a brief media piece that gives you a glimpse into a course that I have on set-apart Christ-centered motherhood. So if you're raising kids and you're in that season of life where you're wondering how to really passionately pursue Christ while raising your kids, check this out. I hope it will encourage you. I pray you have a blessed week. If you are a wife and a mother of young children, have you ever wondered if it's really possible to not just survive that season of your life, but to thrive through it? I've created an eight-week course called Marriage and Motherhood, and it's all about bringing Christ into the center of marriage and family. And I'll be sharing with you some of the most important biblical truths that have really strengthened me throughout my 25 years of marriage and my 15 years of motherhood. And I pray that you'll be blessed by this course. I'm very excited about it. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is streamed daily, Monday through Friday, from our studio in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekend church service is delivered live and streamed at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. Note that our live weekday in-person version of Daily Thunder is scheduled to resume this upcoming June in conjunction with our training season. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.